things that were anticipating are all the different points on the power plus in the universe. Even power plus the compound name. Grounded things are good to know. So it's very frustrating trying to keep the name perfectly meaningless. Meaningful yet personal language. Yeah. When he says love wasteland, he's not talking about um Chef Spawn wasn't talking about um loving without common sense, loving without logic, loving without wisdom, not talking about that, he's talking about not expecting anything in return. Not not doing love out of a form of punishment and stuff. My last quote, you know, basically get off is I think he's he's talking about So who is God? No one can say that is not within human competence. All we can ever say is how we believe we have experienced God doing our best to spell our human delusions. Let me try to do just that and then share it. So, um, I just think that's amazing. God consciousness is not religious, which I subscribe myself to a non-religious God consciousness, Christ consciousness, non-religious Christ consciousness. I subscribe to all those things. I like that he said this, Jesus was not divine because he's a human life, and to whom the external God had entered as traditional Christology has claimed. He wasn't as divine because his humanity and his consciousness was so whole. Is so complete that the meaning of God could flow through him. He was thus able to open people to that transcendent dimension of life, love, and being that we call God. Yes, I agree that that was the life that Jesus lived, and that's the life that I live. So, Humanity's great wisdom traditions are given not to compete with each other, but to complete each other. John Philip Newell, the rebirthing of God. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, now this is the best way to conclude. All religions seem to need to prove that it's the only truth. And that's where it turns demonic, because that's when you get religious wars and persecutions and burning heretics at the stake. This is a bonus episode, so I'm going to only talk for 10 minutes. Now, this is the best way to clue my episodes on. Figured it out. Here we go. 
So a lot of times, a lot of people think that heaven will be all the healing they need to do and that they are okay with dying in pain, dying unhealed, and dying with unresolved issues and unsolved problems and unsolved conflicts. And unfortunately, that was one of my aunts. She chose not to get therapy and counseling, even though she's a Christian. And the worst thing about it was... I'm pretty sure the church she attended never talked about abuse issues and trauma issues and victimization issues so she died of stage 4 cancer without getting any professional trained help that makes me more indignant at the institutional church um It's profoundly upsetting to me. so upset and uh, it's the worship of heaven I can't be whole down here but I can be whole in heaven I'm original sin so no other sinners can't counsel me you know I have to get all my wise counsel in heaven I can't just only so much I get down on earth what a pessimistic humanity that one could possess. That's how devastatingly awful that is. Um, I also want to talk about something That is very important to me. I've struggled with the concept of theism. To me, I think that what people call God is actually the empathy, the endearment, the compassion, the sacrificial love, the unconditional love, and 
the cooperative love that is within all good people, all good Christians, all good non-Christians. That's what I've always thought of in terms of theism. It was always not about religious definitions of God, supernaturalism, miracles. I've always thought that God, when I think of God, I don't think of supernaturalism in terms of things that science has yet to prove to be correct or incorrect. Um, I haven't seen science fully proving all these things to be right or wrong. Um, when I think of miracles and supernaturalism, Christ figures and deities, what do I think of? I think of Give me a minute. Actually, give me more than 10 minutes in this episode. I really got to think. Um, when I think of those things, Christ, figures, deities, supernatural miracles, I think of how we are all heroic to ourselves and to the people that need us to be the protagonists in their lives. Or should I say co-protagonists in their lives? What does that mean? That we're all here to be the answer to at least one person's question. For example, I'm labeled with autism. There are people wondering, can you be labeled with autism and still live a successful life? My existence proves the answer is yes. So when I think of hero, I'm not talking about being a savior. I'm talking about I'm complimenting the purpose of other people. So those are my definitions of the divine experience. And traditional definition of theism, I reject. Um, Then some people ask me, what do you think about atheism? This is what I would say. Atheism is about rejecting savagery that is attributed to any deity in Christ's figure. For example, let's look at the Old Testament God. The Old Testament God is 
one who orders the killing of entire cities of people. And a God who is very much into giving women painful childbirths all because he ate a fruit. So a lot of people misunderstand atheism. For me, it's about rejecting any definition of divinity that requires, based upon the self-imposed requirement of any deity to basically be appalling to the United Nations. That's what atheism And I thought about this topic. I'll be done at 9, 10 p.m. on the topic for publishing. But I, um, I recognize that religions tend to be uncivil religions. Or should I say uncivilized religions because of of the removal of human rights. Now, of course, Christianity is a civil religion, but um, I had to let go of political religion, tribal religion, for starters, and special transactional religion, because I recognize that Religion can encourage what is called the true believer syndrome. It's an informal article term used by M. Lamar Keeney's 1976 book, The Psychic Mafia. King coined the term in that book. He used the term to refer to people who continue to believe in paranormal event or phenomenon even after it has been proven to have been staged. King considered it to be a cognitive disorder and regarded as being a key factor in success in many psychic meetings. The term true belief was used earlier by Eric Hoffman's 1951 book, True Belief, which describes the psychological reason for that group. So, religion is a true believer syndrome religion. And, um, you know, I want to be honest about something. Even though I practice 
Christ likeness in the, in the universal uh, Christ um, consciousness. I am a member of the Black Atheist Group on Clubhouse. And I'm going to talk about that now. So the Black Atheist Group on Clubhouse, it says, we are a minority within a minority. Are you a Black skeptic, free thinker, agnostic, atheist, human, secularist, critical religion, spirituality? And this club is for you. Black people don't believe in God, especially the one. So many seem to be obsessed with or often at odds with family, friends, and romantic partners. This club's purpose is to create space where there is none connect with one another and form a community here. Also, um, I see that what religious people call divine, I acknowledge that I'm open to miracles if they can be scientifically proved to be true. I'm open to supernaturalism and otherworldly if they're both, if they can both be proven to be scientifically true. I am open to purgatory, heaven, hell, afterlife, if they are proven to be scientifically true. I am open to a deity and or deities if they are proved to be scientifically true. I am open to Christ figure and are Christ figures if they are proven to be scientifically true. Um, I'm open to all the extraordinary claims of all the religious texts if they're all to be proven to be scientifically true. Um, so... I basically want to admit that as I close this episode, well, I have three more minutes, okay? Um, as I as I conclude this episode, basically, I have allegorical interpretations of the Bible. Ooh, I can f- close out with this. Give me at least till nine fifteen, then I'll conclude for sure. Okay. Allegorical interpretation of the Bible is an interpretive method, exegesis that assumes that the Bible has various levels of meaning and tends to focus on the spiritual sense, which includes the allegorical sense, the moral or tropological sense, and the anagogical sense, as opposed to the literal sense. It is sometimes referred to as the quadriga, a reference to the Roman chariot that was drawn by four horses. Allegorical interpretation of the Bible has its origins in the Bible itself. But the biblical authors and prophets allegorically interpreted older scriptures, as in the case with 
Hosea's allegorical interpretation of Jacob's wrestling with the angel at Hosea chapter 12, verse 4. In the Middle Ages, it was used by Bible commentators of Christianity. Scriptural, four types. Scriptural interpretation sometimes referred to as the quadriga, a reference to the Roman chariot that was pulled by four horses abreast. The four horses are symbolic of the four submets of scriptural interpretation. A Latin rhyme designed to help scholars remember the four interpretation survives from the Middle Ages. Litera gesta docet quid credis allegoria, moralis quid agas qui tendes anagogia. The rhyme is roughly translated, the literal teaches what God and our ancestors did. The allegory is where our faith and belief is hid. The moral meaning gives us the rule of daily life. The anagogy shows us where we end our strife. The first three of these most literal allegorical moral were part of Christian were part of Christian tradition, as expressed by Oregon, St. John, Cassian, C363, 435, out of the fourth anagogic for The contemporary St. Augustine of Hippo, 354-430, used the four-fold interpretive method in his explanation of Christian doctrine. On Christian doctrine. Due to the widespread popularity of on-Christian doctrine in the ages, the four-fold method became the standard in Christian biblical exegesis of that period. Literal interpretation explanation of the meaning of the events for historical purposes from a neutral perspective by trying to understand the text and the culture and time it was written and location and language it was composed in, that is, since the 19th century. Usually ascertained using the higher critical methods like source criticism and form criticism. In many modern seminaries and universities, literal meaning is usually focused on to a nearly complete abandonment of the spiritual methods, as is very obvious when comparing commentary from a Douay, Reigns, or Confraternity, or Confraternity, or Knox Bible, the New Jerusalem, NISV, or NDRE. Typological or allegorical interpretation. Connecting the events of the Old Testament to the New Testament, particularly drawing allegorical connections between the events of Jesus' life with the stories of the Old Testament. Also, a passage speaks directly to someone, such as when Francis of Assisi heard the passage to sell, to sell all he had. Also, it could also typologically point to uh, the one who was called the Virgin Mary, who was the ark which held, the, which held what they call the Word of God. Judith, who slew a tyrant, is a Marian type. The burning bush contains the fire of God, was not consumed as Mary held the second person of the Trinity in the womb, was not burned up. Tropological and moral interpretation of the world of the story is how one should act now. Many of Jesus' parables in the book of Proverbs and the wisdom books are packed with tropological meaning. Anagogic interpretation dealing with the future events of Christian history, eschatology, eschatology. Well, it's heaven, purgatory, hell, the week, the last judgment, the general resurrection, second advent of Christ, etc. Prophecies. Antiquity. Oregon is treatise of first principles. Recommends for the Old and New Testament to interpret the allegory. Allegorically, at three levels, the flesh, soul, and the spirit. T. 
states that many of the events recounted in the scriptures, if they are interpreted in the literal reflective sense, are impossible or nonsensical. They must be interpreted allegorically to be understood. Some passages have parts that are literally true and parts that are literally impossible. Then, the reader must endeavor to grasp the entire meaning, connecting by an intellectual process. The account of what is literally impossible, the parts that are not possible but historically true, these being interpreted allegorically in common with the part which, so far as the letter goes, did not happen at all. Middle Ages. People of the Middle Ages shaped their ideas and institutions from drawing on the cultural legacies of the ancient world. They did not seek the break between themselves and their predecessors that today's observers see. They saw con continuity with themselves in the ancient world by using allegory to bring together the gaps. The use of allegorical interpretation of ages began as a Christian method for studying. The differences between the two testaments tropological interpretation. Christian scholars believe both testaments were equally inspired divinely by God and sought to understand the difference between Old Testament and New Testament laws. Medieval scholars believe Old Testament to serve as an allegory of the New Testament events, such as the story of Jonah and the whale, which represents Jesus' death and resurrection, according to the Old Testament book of Jonah, a prophet sent, spent three days in the belly of the fish. Medieval scholars believe this allegory is a typological interpretation of Jesus' death, his being a tomb for three days before he rose from the dead. Um, I do not take the Bible literally. Um, I interpret the Bible metaphorically, allegorically, metaphysically, and figuratively. Um, in fact, I interpret all religious texts metaphorically, allegorically, metaphysically, and figuratively. Um, I don't take any of the religious texts literally. I don't interpret any of the religious texts literally. I also want to say that I'm just very grateful. I know I was just reading some, uh, is it John Shelby Spawn comments? And um, he says, whatever diminishes life is evil, 
whatever enhances life is good. I agree. I think I look at this It says Unless biblical literalism Is challenged Overtly In the Christian church itself It will, in my opinion, kill the Christian faith. It is not just a benign nuisance that afflicts Christianity at its edges. It is a mentality that renders the Christian faith unbelievable to an increasing number of the citizens. the world of our world we walk into the mystery of God we do not define that mystery This is intriguing. I think that anything that begins to give people a sense of their own worth and dignity is God. I like how he metaphorically um, stated that. Wow. I love this definition. I do not think of God theistically that is as a being supernatural and power who dwells beyond the limits of my world. I'd rather experience God as the source of life, willing me to live fully, the source of love, calling me to love wastefully, and to borrow a phrase from the theologian Paul Tillich, as the ground of being, calling me to be all that I can be. Yeah. Ooh, I love this. When one tries to name, quote unquote, God, one immediately limits what God is. Even the term God is a name. God, in quotations, is only a name in the English language. Dios in Spanish, Gott, G-O-T-T in German, Allah in Arabic, Talio to many in the Far East, and so on. To me, these names do not refer to individual entities or things, but are all weak attempts to point to an unnameable power or force in our universe, and even power and force becomes only names. 